Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. It's awesome. It's great to be here with you. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Sav Cameron, and I serve on team here. I know Gateway Ministry School Director sounds fancy, but, you know, it's just really code. Well, hello. There's some um, Gateway Ministry School students amongst us here. It's really it's just a fancy code for someone who um, just loves to walk alongside people who are taking you on a journey to grow deeper with God. So um, I love my job. I love what I do. But I also love being here with you guys this morning and um, sharing the morning with you. So thank you for having me. So I hope I meet some of you after the service if we haven't met before. Hey, in the past um, few weeks, we've been celebrating some really great, awesome stories of our Gateway Beyond workers, of what they've been doing around the world and right here in Brisbane as well in sharing the message of Jesus with people. Hasn't it been great to, to hear some of those stories? And together, a couple of weeks ago, we got to celebrate together what God is going to do for our future here at Gateway Baptist. And I love that. I love being a part of that. And I know that during Beyond Month, we talked a lot about these doors, the yellow doors. I really wanted the door back, but, you know, some person couldn't bring it back for me. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But the yellow door was here. And if you weren't here with us, it's just a significant thing for us as a church to be looking at what doors are we going to be opening for Jesus right around the world? What doors are we opening so that more people can hear about the message of Jesus? And, you know, there was an opportunity for you to think about whether it's through giving, through praying, or through growing yourself, um, that you might want to take up that call, or to serve on teams so that more people can come to know the love of God. Today, I want us to look at a similar theme, which is, you know, we talk a lot about going and praying, but I wonder what it would look like for us to just spend a few moments to look at what it would be like for us to open the doors of our home and the doors of our life for those that are in our community. So can we pray together this morning? Father, I just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you that this morning, as Cherith read from Philippians 2, that we got to hear your love for us to the extent that you would come and that you would die for us so that we could have eternal life with you. So Lord, today, as we unpack your word, I just pray that you would um, be with us, that you'll bring these words alive, and that you would challenge our hearts, but you also comfort our hearts with your love today. So as we spend a few moments together in your word, God, we just ask that your presence will be with us in guiding our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. You know, throughout scripture, um, the picture of hospitality of God is really um, prominent, It is, um, as you read right through from Genesis right through to Revelation, we see that God is always moving towards his people and that he also makes room for people. And he also asks us as his followers to do the same, to make room for the other, to be other-centered, not just in provisions and food, as you see here, but also in sharing the relationship with one another. So we're going to go on a bit of a journey together today. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to kind of have them ready. We're going to kind of speed through some scriptures this morning. But we're going to look at how hospitality is really close to God's heart, but also how it is a call for each one of us to live in our daily life. 
So first of all, I like to define the word other. You know, when you hear the word other, it's the Greek word alos, and I can't really pronounce it. Is there any Greeks amongst us in this room? No? And Pastor Collins, Dudley, I'm sure you'll correct me afterwards. <laughs> um, but the word um, other, alos, means this, denoting a person or a thing that is different or distinct from one already mentioned or known about. So when you hear the term other in scripture, it's looking at those who are outside the chosen people of God, the Israelites. The descriptions that have been given to other are words like nomads, stranger, sojourners, foreigners, Gentiles, even alien. So in the Old Testament, you know, God gave really strong and very clear instructions to the Israelites to make room for the other. So here we go. We're going to open the scriptures together. The words are going to come up on the screen. We're going to go through a few scriptures in the Old Testament together. The first one is Leviticus 19.10. And it says this, And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. In the same chapter, verse 34 says, The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Then we're going to jump to Numbers 15, 16. It says, I am the Lord, and I consider all people the same, whether they're Israelites or foreigners living among you. Job 31, 32 says this, the sojourner has not lodged in the street. I have opened my doors to the traveler. Ezekiel 47, 22 says, you shall allot, <coughs> sorry, you shall allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the aliens who is residing among you have begotten children among you as well for those guys. They shall too be the citizens of Israel. With you, they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. Psalm 146, verse 9. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked brings he, wicked he brings to ruin. There are so many um, passages in the Old Testament that talks about the foreigner, the sojourner, the alien, um, the orphan, the widows, and how God is asking and implored the children of Israel, his people, to make room and space and provision for them, as we have just read. And there are many more that you can read. But the treatment of others, here are some of the qualities that I think it brings out. There's love in the scriptures. There's care. There's provision. There's the idea of opening up the door. There's the idea of giving and to protect and to be kind, to be generous and to treat people equally and to welcome so that others can belong. This is, we begin to see the narrative in the Old Testament that hospitality is an incredible value, an important value of God, that he gives directions, very clear directions, to show hospitality to human beings. You know, at the times, the Old Testament people were considered kind of like nomads who move from town to town and don't quite um, settle anywhere properly. And, you know, hospitality in those times for the strangers, the sojourners, those who are outside, is a matter of life and death. It really was. If there wasn't any hospitality for them, they would have um, been 
without food, without shelter, and also without protection from hostility. But due to hospitality and God asking his people to show hospitality, they could find food and shelter and protection. There are so many great themes in the hospitality of God. It's a large theological subject that you can um, go on for a long time studying and knowing and, and that. Today, just for a little bit, I just want to talk about two very important themes that I think comes out of what we have just read. It coalesces around this idea of loving God so that you can love others just like yourself. So first theme is love. You know, love has this way of motivating and driving each one of us to do something for the person that we love. Love has this way of wanting us, you know, for me as a parent, that I want to provide for my kids. I want to make sure that they have what they need. There's a table here in preparation for you. Thank you so much, Max and Rachel, for preparing this. This is just a signifying picture of abundance, of, you know, um, the hospitality that we can extend to people. And love, for me, would be to share of what I have at this table in my home with those who come to my house and with those that are in my family. This is probably one of the greatest things that we have seen in Scripture is the love of God towards us. It's in abundance for us. And that love compels us to provide for people. So when God gave those instructions to the Israelites, it wasn't just to be nice people, but it's because out of his incredible love for all humanity that he's saying to his people, you need to show them hospitality. That's one way that you can show them my love is by being hospitable. The other key theme is belonging. When we read through this, we know that it isn't just about the hospitality being extended so people can be cared for. But in caring for people and inviting people into your space and your home and giving them your land and giving them all that you have, you are saying to them that they belong, that there is a sense of acceptance and protection and that they are being treated equally and there's an absence of hostility for the one that's inviting the person so as the host and also for the one that's being invited in that no matter what situation is happening, when you invite someone to dine with you and to be with you and to share in relationship with you, it's almost like the hostility of the world is put down for a moment and together you can share. It makes room for relationship. Hospitality makes room for relationship with God. You know, Jesus himself, let's fast forward to the New Testament for a little while. Jesus himself... Um, was a little bit like a nomad. You know, we see one of the greatest pictures we see of Jesus is him um, traveling from town to time, uh, from town to town, and then would sit and dine with people and have drinks with all sorts of people. So this morning, we're going to look at one of the scenes of Jesus eating at a Pharisee's house. Good morning. Great to see you. I'm great. How are you? That's awesome. Great to have you with us. So we're going to come down to this story of the Pharisees who are, is entertaining Jesus in, in their homes. And now, if you don't know, the Pharisees are kind of like the expert of the Jewish laws. So they're kind of like, you know, they know a lot and they're very smart and clever people. And they were entertaining Jesus in their home. And in walks a sinful woman, a prostitute, an outsider, 
and she tries to make room and tries to find a space to go and meet with Jesus. We're going to read it in Luke chapter 7 in a moment. Now, this woman, who is a sinner, a prostitute who walks into the space, um, runs towards Jesus, and the picture that the Bible tells us that she kneels down and she starts to weep and wet Jesus' feet with her tears and drying her, his feet with her hair. And she also starts to pour perfume over his feet. Some say the perfume that she used was the most extravagant thing that she owned, was the most expensive thing that she had, and she poured it all out on Jesus. Let's just say the room was probably in a bit of a shock in seeing this display. I would say the room's probably filled with more men than there would be women, and for this woman who is an outsider, who was not invited, but invited herself in, goes and runs towards Jesus and does this display of her love towards him in such a way. The room kind of just went, what's going on right now? And they started to have conversations with each other. Then they start to look at Jesus and say, what's happening here? Why are you entertaining the actions of this woman? So we're going to read together what Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, verses 44 to 47, if you want to follow with me. It says, then he turned toward the woman, this is Jesus, and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from, time, from the time I entered, has not, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. You know, Jesus here points out that the hospitality code, the culture of the day, was kind of missed by the Pharisees. You know, he said that they didn't wash his feet or greeted him with a kiss or anointed him with oil as they he arrived. But then in comes this woman who did. It would be like you coming to my house and let yourself in and I don't greet you and I don't acknowledge you really in the way that I should in my culture and society. It's not like I'm going to open this bottle. Can I open this bottle, Max? Okay, and say, <laughs> thank you, might have a bit later, um, and pour you a glass of water and ask if you would like a glass of water or to share anything to have at my table. It will be a little bit like that. So what Jesus is saying, you kind of missed this hospitality thing that needed to happen. But what we see is the woman who invited herself to a party that, you know, she wasn't really invited to, but she comes and she pours out this incredible act of hospitality to Jesus. And she does it so lavishly. And Jesus, as we just read, validated her. Not just her presence with him, but he validated her acts of hospitality and saying to her, you know, I see you. Thank you for showing me this incredible act of hospitality. Everybody else in the room was kind of like, this shouldn't be happening. It's not really in our society to see this going on. What's going on? Everyone's head was kind of spinning a little bit. But Jesus addresses not just the hospitality code, but he addresses something eternal by saying that your sins have been forgiven. Now, you know, there's, as you continue to read on in Luke, it's they start to have these kind of conversations about, well, who is this man who can forgive sins of people? You know, and they, they keep going on about it. But in the meantime, 
there is this woman who did this for Jesus, this incredible act of hospitality. There are many stories in the New Testament of Jesus dining with all sorts of people, where he's um, in relationship and communing with them. This communicates something really powerful about hospitality to me. Is that of love, as we talked about before. So verse 7, Jesus says, 47, he said to her, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. She had shown love to Jesus by kind of crossing all cultural boundaries of the time. And extravagantly was so generous with what she had towards him. And in turn, because of her hospitality, Jesus gave her a place to belong. You know, she did not belong in the house, as we know, but Jesus validated her, and in doing so, he's saying to her, I accept you. And with me, there is protection from hostility in the room, and there was hostility in the room towards her because of what she was doing. But in Jesus, he, he pretty much kind of nullifies all the hostility in the room by saying, your sins have been forgiven. And with me, there is relationship that I can offer you. He's saying, come and eat and feast at this table with me. That's what he is saying. And he's not just talking about something temporary or food that just satisfies for a short period of time. He's actually inviting her to a relationship of eternal life for her to know that it is also offered to her, that she is not a foreigner to that, that she is not unwelcome to that, but she is welcome to come and partake of everything that he has for her. He's saying, I'm offering you this gift of eternal life. What a powerful picture, don't you think, of hospitality and what it can do to open up relationship. And God's heart for humanity is relationship. I reckon one of the most significant acts of God's love would be in his hospitality towards mankind. You know, here at Gateway, we have a statement of faith that says that we declare that we worship one eternal God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And throughout Scripture, we read that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in constant relationship with each other. It's almost like this beautiful, perfect picture of relationship. But yet, Father, Son, and Spirit decided to make room in creating the other, in creating humankind. Genesis 1, 26, 27, he says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So he created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God made space for the other. God made space by creating us so that we can join in the community with him, with the Father, Son, and Spirit. It, it's like, you know, if it's so good that God had this incredible relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit together as a unit, um, but he made room for us. I, I still find that quite astonishing, that something that is incredibly beautiful and perfect would make room for more and in creating us. Now, if that doesn't give you a sense of... Um, realization that God loves you and that you have been created in his image, meaning that you also carry um, the nature of God, the nature of love and all of those things. I, I just want to tell you this morning that you are incredibly loved, that God would 
in all you know, beginning of time, so I want to make room for you in my relationship. I want you to be a part of me and of what we do here together as Father, Son, and Spirit. That's an incredible privilege, and I hope, as, as it is for me for the past couple of years, coming to understanding this a little bit more, has really allowed me to go, oh, like, I know people keep telling me I'm valued and loved, But when I read Genesis again with these lens, I go, wow, he actually made room for me. He made room for you. So if he's making room for you, who are we not to make room for other people in our lives? So it is also through humankind, you know, that he demonstrated his love. So in in his goodness, he sends Jesus in human form so that he can demonstrate his great act of love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so those who ever believe in him shall have eternal life. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished, lavished, incredible, that we would be called children of God, and that's who we are. Cherith earlier today read around the table of communion from Philippians 2. The Apostle Paul is saying to us, as those who are following Jesus, and he's imploring us, and he's saying this in Philippians. He say, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others." I just love how in Scripture, right through from beginning to the end, there is a common theme, right through, demonstrated for us to see as we have read in the Old Testament just now, make room. I see everyone equally. Make sure you provide. Make sure you always have space for the other. Here in the New Testament, right at the end, towards where Paul is addressing the churches, he's saying, let this be your attitude, that you value others above yourself, that you would love others, that you will make room for them. And in your relationship with one another, verse 5, it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't kind of flex his God muscles around when he was on earth. You know, he he came and just be like one of us. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Hope there's a picture of a human likeness and form of Jesus coming up. Let me introduce you to Jesus. The most significant act of God's love and hospitality towards humanity is in Jesus. In Jesus, there is love, and through his love, that all, not just some, but all would belong. Colossians 1, 21 to 22. Once we were all alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Is this not the good news that we believe? Is this not good news for all to hear? That we were once alienated, foreigners, 
travelers, nomads, who couldn't find a place to belong, who weren't worthy to belong anywhere, but through Christ, we now belong. Through Jesus, we are free from the accusation of sin, from the accusation of others who will come to us and say that we're not good enough, that we don't belong, and we have nothing to offer. We are free from those accusations, as it says here, and we are no longer considered strangers or foreigners, but actually that we are considered children of God, belonging into the same family. Is this not good news for us? If we were to boil down everything in Scripture, and there's so much, it would be down to this, that God would love the world so much that he would send his son so that all would come to know and have eternal life. And it's not just eternal life that he wants, but he wants now on earth for us to experience what it's like to be in community of love and sharing with one another. One of the most beautiful prayers I think Jesus prayed was for his disciples. And I hope that as I read this to you, that you will get the picture of the oneness that he wants for us to have with him and for us to have with each other. John 17, 21 to 23, that all of them may be one. This is what Jesus is praying for us as his disciples, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, and in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. His heart is that we all may be in relationship with him. That's the first thing. And close by, that we all be unified with him and each other. And that his heart for the world, that they will come to know of his love. And guess who he has chosen? That they would see that through. You and me. It's not by any other magical demonstration. It's in the creation that people would know that he is God. But we are part of that creation. It is in you and I that he has chosen that all would know who he is. So how do we do this? How do we actually allow the world who doesn't know yet to know Jesus know about Jesus? Well, can I guess the good place to start from today's readings is extending hospitality. It's you and me extending hospitality. It's being motivated by love just as he was motivated by love towards us. So our, you know, our brief look at scriptures today tells us probably three postures of love. There's a posture of openness, there's a posture of invitation, and a posture of sharing. So in the posture of openness, you know, our society today is full of people looking for a place to belong. I would, would you agree with me? Yeah? There are foreigners amongst us who are coming to our land all of the time, needing a place to belong. There are those who are feeling isolated and lonely and searching for a place to belong. So God's posture, as we have read, is openness towards us. He's never closed the circle of love between him and his son, but he actually extends and open his posture towards humanity. And as such, the hospitality God teaches us to be open, to, re to be ready to receive people. Are you, am I, are we ready to open the doors of our homes? Are we ready to open the doors of our lives? 
sometimes we can think about, you know, the grand thing of going somewhere overseas, and I love that. I used to be a missionary myself, and that's awesome. But, you know, the call to mission is, is our daily life. It's not just when we go and do something awesome overseas, but it's also in the everyday. Are we ready to open our lives in the everyday to invite people into relationship, to open and share this table, to say, come to my house, let me share this with you. The other posture is the invitation. It's a posture of invitation. You know, we just saw the video of Kids Takeover. You know, there was an invitation that went out to our church, to our five campuses, and then also to our community to say, we're going to hold this really great, incredible program over our holidays so that all the kids can come and just spend a week having an amazing time and also hear about the message of Jesus. The invitation was real. It wasn't a disguise that we're just doing something and then maybe we'll just pop up Jesus and tell them about it. It was a real open invitation to say, come, we want to put on this thing and we want to look after your kids. We want to care for them. We want them to have fun. But we also want to tell them about the most incredible person that will actually change their life. That invitation went out. Imagine if we didn't invite anybody, what kids take over look like. Probably not all the TP on the Oval, as you saw. But the invitation went out. And you know what? 499. Okay, it's <laughs> She is really good with numbers. I thought it was just over 500 kids from across all our campuses. But 499 kids came. They accepted invitation. Their families accepted the invitation and said, yes, go. And this week, we had 72 kids from all our campus who actually said yes to the invitation of joining Jesus' team for the first time. 72 kids for the first time say, I've heard about this man, Jesus. I heard about his love. And I'm now going to say yes to his invitation of this eternal life. 77 kids, 77 kids ran back to Jesus this week who may have said yes to Jesus a while back, but this week has been reminded of his love and accepted an invitation to run back towards him. You know, you and I have been commissioned with the same invitation in Matthew, in, in other parts of the gospel that says, when I mean, Jesus, before he left us, he said, go into the world, share my gospel, invite them to nowhere, baptize them so that they too. We have the same invitation in us. It doesn't need a program all of the time, but it actually sits and resides within us. There is an invitation in us for those of us who do believe in Jesus. And he said it so clearly, go, go into the world. Go into, you know, Judea, Samaria and the other parts of the world. Start with your doorstep and keep going. <laughs> That's what he said, go and do that. So for some of us, an invitation may look a little bit like this or it may sound a little bit like this. Would you like to have coffee with me after church today? Would you like to have lunch? Would you like to come over to my house? Can I invite your kids to come after school and have afternoon tea? It may sound something like that, and I'm sure there is more. And lastly, there's a posture of sharing. In the Old Testament, as we read, God was really clear. He said, you know, share your food, share everything that you have with the, the sojourners, the foreigners, the alien among you. Share your land even. And then Jesus came, and he came not just to offer something that is temporary, 
but he came to share with us something that is eternal. John 10.10 says, you know, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And don't you think in our society today that he is doing that, and he's doing that really well? He's stealing our identity and who we are. He's whispering lies. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's out there. The Bible says like a roaring lion, just looking for opportunity to actually take down, you know, what God has set up. He's doing that. But then Jesus says, but I have come to give you life and life more abundant. Now, that is the message and the invitation that we have, is to share with others what we know and what we have. Yes, it's stuff. Yes, it's sharing meals. Absolutely, we've got to start with that. But it's also sharing the message of Jesus with people. You know, um, when I was doing this, I was thinking about how sometimes it can be really confronting that we think we don't actually don't have enough to share with others. And some of us here in this room this morning, you might be thinking, I'd love to invite someone, but I really don't have that much in my home, or I actually don't have that much in my capacity to give. Can I tell you a little story? For those of you who don't know me, I grew up as a refugee, and I lived in a refugee camp before I came to Australia when I was 12. My family escaped the Pop-Up War in the 70s. And in a refugee camp, there is really not a lot not a lot at all to go around. And um, the camp that I was in, I was part of a block of probably about 20 families, and there'll be like multiple blocks in this camp. And every day, there'll be the kind of rationing kind of food moment where we have to go to the truck as a block, and they'll ask you how many in your family, and you'll say three, so it was my brother, myself, and my mom, and they'll give you what they think three people needed you know, whether it's fish, rice, vegetables, and it changes every day. And this kind of happened for a while, and my mum, who is a real hospitality kind of lady, she um, decided to talk to all the families um, in our block and said, hey, I see you got eggs, and I've got fish, and you've got this, and why don't we all just come together and cook together and then provide for everybody who's here so that we all have a bit of diversity and variety but what was really beautiful about that is, yes, we got diversity and variety of food, but we made sure that every person had enough. Sometimes, you know, like, there wasn't enough for the three of us, but some other family may have got just a little bit more, or the rice may have gone a little bit longer or extends a little bit more. And that's what we did for years. We would gather together and cook dinners together and share so that everybody had enough. But the most beautiful thing, and I still remember, it's just the joy of coming together. You know, we, we, yes, we lived in the same block. Yes, we kind of know who each other are. But when we gather together around the meals, it was a time where we can actually go, oh, you can do this and you can cook that. And the kids, you know, would eat first. And the parents would eat last. And there's something about sharing community and relationship that was really enriching. For me to grow up in a place there where there's not a lot and to see... Um, that generosity isn't about just what you have. It's not just about your economic state, but it's about the posture of your heart, that there's a heart of generosity and the heart to gathering people together. You know, the census has come out this week. Talk of the town for a few people. The census has come out. There's some data has said Christianity is on the decline. And in the coming weeks, you're going to hear more about what this means for us as a church. 43.9% now are saying that they're Christian. 
versus 61% in 2016. So in a matter of a few years, our nation is saying, we don't believe in Christianity, we are something else. 40% now today and more believes in secularism. They may say it's atheists, believe in nothing. To me, I just kind of lump them into this world of secularism. And then cultural diversity is the other fact that came out this week, that almost half of our Australian population were born overseas or have a parent that is born overseas. Lots of data to come, lots to unpack. You know, the Australian landscape is changing all of the time. And our response as a church, you know, it's always been the same response. It's never changed, and that's to see people hear the message of Jesus and come to know him. Our mandate stays the same. Regardless of what's changing around us, our mandate stays the same. However, because the landscape is changing, there is something of urgency for the people of God to go, hey, there are people out there who are hurting and yet don't know Jesus. We need to do something about that. Actually, the responsibility is on us, those of us who do know Jesus, to go, what can we do to see this percentage change? What can we do to change the landscape? This isn't just about, you know, how I feel in my family, but it's about humanity. What is going on in our country that we can be a part of to see love, wholeness, restoration, acceptance become a part of who we are? And it's also equally our mandate to welcome people into our home, into our churches. We say here at Gateway that everyone walks through the door is welcome. I hope you know that's true. It is in our heart that you are welcome here. So if there are some things that is resonating with you and you're like, but where do I go from here? Like, I love the idea that I want to go and be equipped to share the message of Jesus. Or I really love to know what it's like to talk to someone who's different to me. And this is not just culturally different, just anyone who is different to me. Sometimes that's a barrier in some of us, is that how do I go and actually invite someone to come over for dinner? I don't really know what they eat. I don't know what I eat. And uh, how do we do this? Can I say there's um, two short courses coming up that I'd love to invite you to be a part of. There's the Scent course starting in Term 3, and it's run by Eleanor, who is our missions pastor. It's looking at exploring this calling. So, so for some of you here, it will be like, I know I'm called to go and do this, but I want to understand my calling and I want to be equipped a little bit more to go. Why don't you join us at the same course? And there's a chat course coming up together with SU Australia, myself and the coordinator, we're going to run this thing called a chat program. It's a great workshop where you can actually learn what it's like to engage in conversation. Sometimes we just need a little bit of a tip, you know, in how to approach someone and how to invite someone. There's no shame in that. Like, we're not all experts in everything, but let's take the opportunity where we can to actually learn to do that. So if it feels like it's something that you like to do, please come and talk to me about it afterwards. Imagine our church to become a church where those who are with no family find a family. Imagine, you know, where those who feel devalued or put down or feel like they're outsiders, find a place at somebody's table here in your home. Imagine where the lonely will be invited to sit at my table, at Max's table, at your table. You know, there is power in hospitality. 
It communicates something about the heart of God. It gives us opportunity to love the other, the other being those who are yet don't know who Jesus is. So today I'd like to give us a bit of a challenge and give me a bit of a warning because in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand if this is who, what you would like to commit to. I'd like us to be challenged as a church that by the end of July, we are just at the beginning of July, to bless someone with the gift of hospitality, to be open. And that could just mean that you want to know more about how to do that and go to one of these courses or to actually invite someone into your home or to have a meal with you and to share what you have. And the most beautiful thing that you can share with people is just your life and who you are and your story and how you've come to know Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.